Durant. Oh! A jawbreaker! Curry with a drive. Blocked by Jackson. Bain, step back three. Bingo! Okay, welcome in to another episode of the Core 4 Podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Gill. I'm down in Bristol, Tennessee for this episode. Dave is joining me, of course, from D.C. That leaves only Xavier holding down Memphis for us currently. We're kind of all over the place, good scatter, but that's that's what Zoom was invented for, boys. <laughs> Today, we're going to be giving out a bunch of uh, Grizzly superlatives, but fellas, let's start here. Training camp starts on Tuesday. And the first preseason game is going to be October 1st. Dave, the offseason feels like it flew by. Uh, Are you even ready yet for Grizzly basketball to come back? It does seem like it's flown by. I can't believe that we haven't seen them play real basketball since the second week of May. Uh, And it's it's, it's just been a whirlwind between the the playoffs, then you have the draft and the summer league. And I am super ready, especially working with you guys. I really enjoy working on the show, and it it gets me even more excited for the season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You guys first, you know, this is my first time with the podcast too. I've been with the website a little bit longer, but yeah, that gives us a little, little extra to root for Xavier. Uh, what about you? What would you say, would you say your expectations for this season are higher or lower than going into last season? Um, most definitely higher. We had the success heading towards the second round this past year. And I feel like the Grizzlies got a chip on their shoulder. They want to come out and prove Golden State wrong. Um, rivalries have built up and guys have learned the system even better. So expectations is real high for this season. I'm looking forward to it. It should be a fun, thrilling season this this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think the expectations for all Grizzlies fans, all of us at Grizzly Bear Blues, uh, and I think the team as well have super high expectations. While we're on the note of expectations, let's start with our very first superlative. We're going to start here, guys with the player who needs to improve the most this season. Uh, Dave, I'll start with you, your player who needs to improve the most. Yeah, I thought this was pretty straightforward for me. It's Xavier Tillman Sr. I think when you have Jaron Jackson injured early here, uh, we need some muscle up front. And, and you know, let, let's be honest, his numbers have been down. 20% three-point shooting last year is not good enough. 65% free throw shooting, not good enough. Uh, 5.7 points, 3.7 rebounds. I feel like he's plateaued a little bit. You know, at some point we have to make decisions on the roster and we need someone to be able to come in behind Steven Adams with Jaron out and really give us some quality minutes. I thought Xavier Tillman was disappointing last year. I know he's JJJ's buddy. I really like him and I hope that he improves. Yeah, I yeah, totally agree with you. We got to see some more out of the X-Man this season. Uh, Xavier, I'll give it up to you. Who uh, is your player that needs to improve the most for this season? Um, I do agree with Dave, but for my guy, I put John Conchart Giddy. He just recently signed that contract extension, three-year, $19 million. And then not only that, he just signed uh, a contract with Nike. So we might get some <laughs> new Giddies coming out here in the streets. But um, we traded Melton away, so he's that next backup shooting guard. And, I mean, John Conchart, he had a great season this past year. He averaged basically five points, gave us some good rebounding minutes and play pretty competitive defense. But we're going to need that energy every single night. At the last game of the regular season, he dropped a triple-double. He played a lot of meaningful minutes, especially when COVID hit us pretty hard. Jitty has to be consistent. 
Um, I'm expecting Jitty, I mean, John Conchart to have a great backup role. So I'm that's who I want to see improve even more. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Uh, you know, that's why they gave him the contract. I can't wait to see. I hope he gets some kind of player addition. Uh, that would be a sick shoe. I got to get a pair of jitties for sure. All right, <laughs> we're moving on to our second superlative here on the show. Uh, this one was one of mine. Uh, I didn't want to get too negative this quick, but I got to do it. I want to I want to open up the discussion about it. The most hated opposing player. Uh, Xavier, I'll start with you here. Who's a player uh, on another team that you think is going to be really grinding the gears of the Grizzlies this season? Well, <laughs> you go across the span of players that the Grizzlies that I dislike is He's on a – luckily, we only play him twice. Man. He is in an opposing conference. To me, is Marcus Smart. Marcus oh. Smart, man. <laughs> he's always trying to do something sneaky and um, have the ref be on his side, the flopping, the animations and whatnot. John – I mean – oh, yeah, I said John Contrary. Uh Marcus Smart, yes. Like, he's probably um, – he's number one on my dislike list. Gotcha. Yeah, I didn't see that one coming from yeah. from the Eastern Conference, but I like it a little bit off the board there. Uh, Dave, you, who is your most hated uh, player superlative going to? Yeah, and it's, it really comes down to how we define the word hate, right? I, I've made it clear I can't stand Donovan Mitchell. Uh, and the whole family, every time he touches the ball, we're booing from the – I just hate – I stand anything about him. I'm so glad he's – in Cleveland now that we didn't make a trade for him. I'm really, really glad that we didn't trade for him. But the, but the answer to the question is Luka Doncic, because as they say with Reggie Jackson, nobody boos, nobody's, you know, and, and I hate Luka because I'm terrified of him, you know, so aside good. from the 28, nine and nine that he gives you the constant smirking and smiling. He plays with an arrogance. And, and if we're being honest, he's going to pretty much dominate the Western conference for the next 10, 12 years. I'm terrified of him. I hate him. Yeah, he's been an absolute Grizzlies killer. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe neither of you guys said this. I and I think maybe this is a cheat code answer, but I have Pat Bev. Everybody hates <laughs> Pat Bev. And go. you know, let's not forget that the Lakers games got pretty heated with the Grizzlies last year. You throw Patrick Beverly into that mix, who's an all-time instigator, and I respect him for it. It's awesome what he does, kind of similar to what Xavier was saying with Marcus Smart. But yeah, Pat Bev is my answer uh, out there with the Lakers. Um, you know, he's going to be a tough matchup. He's going to give Ja all he can handle. We saw that in the uh, Timberwolves series. So, uh, yeah, I got Pat Bev for most hated opposing player. Uh, third superlative here, guys. We're going to go – we're going to get a little more positive. Seems like we just went out after a couple guys, but that's all right. Uh, let's go with fan favorite. Dave, who's your fan favorite superlative going to? And, and I'm going to try to stay positive. And when we talk about a fan favorite, it's usually a bench guy. It's usually a glue guy. So when he comes into the game, people cheer. It's kind of a little boost of energy. And I'm going to go back to what Xavier said. I'm going to go with John Conchar as a fan favorite. It's amazing he got a Nike shoe deal. <laughs> it's so cool, right? But I'm going to push back a little bit. I think he's the fan favorite. He's not my favorite. And I'm a little concerned, and I agree with Xavier, uh, he needs to improve because his minutes, the last three years, if you track them, nine and a half, 13 and a half, and almost 18 minutes a game. He's played more minutes per game, but the production is leveled off. So it's an interesting trajectory for him. We'll see. He's a fan favorite, but we need to see him improve and earn those minutes and earn that money they gave him. But I think he is, uh, I think he's the fan favorite. Absolutely. Great point. Xavier, fan favorite, superlative. Let's go. Yeah, I think uh, losing Milton, that was a big fan favorite. His big smile, jaw dancing mate. 
Um, but after losing him, I uh, I agree with Dave. John Conchark is one of those guys that everybody loved. We gave him the nickname Jitty. Mm-hmm. And just seeing him being that the undrafted guy to actually being a role player, a great role bench player now, like I, I, I understand like he's a huge fan favorite. And then I wouldn't be surprised later on this season to see Kenny Lofton being a fan favorite just due to the fact of resemblance of Zach Randolph. Mm-hmm and him being such a big guy playing ball. So we might have a new fan favorite in Memphis coming soon. <laughs> Good point. That's a great one. I didn't even have him. I didn't even think about him. But it seems like he was kind of the darling of the offseason. So has a very good chance to be a fan favorite as he kind of grows into his role and see some minutes on down the road possibly. I've got one that's kind of a little bit off the board, but I think needs to be mentioned. I think Taylor Jenkins is going to get a ton of respect and could be a fan favorite or somebody that the, that the city really gets behind and, and really appreciates. But it really is all dependent on how does the team do without Jaron in the first half of the you know quarter, whatever it ends up being of the season. But if he can navigate this roster without Jaron through a good winning record, uh, you know, maybe being a top four team uh, by the time uh, Jaron comes back in the West, I think that people are really going to look back on last year, what he did when the team was so banged up and then what he can do at the beginning of this season. And if he's successful at it, he's going to be an absolute fan favorite and the city of Memphis is going to want to keep him around for a long time. And I think the team itself will, uh, you know, of course, rally around him as well. So I got, I got that one for coach Jenkins and and also uh, uh, has to be mentioned Kennedy Chandler as a hometown kid, very, (laughs) very possibly. I thought that's Um, where you were going, Matt. I didn't want to, I didn't want to add though. It's an interesting story now with the Celtics coach and that he may be suspended, you know, stories coming out for maybe a whole season, because sometimes people think in the NBA coaching doesn't matter. And that, that team was pretty close to winning the championship last year. We're going to see how much it matters because it's basically the same Celtics team, Celtics team coming back. And when you mentioned Taylor Jenkins, I think his, his uh, being a role model for this team is being a communicator for this team, a great X no guy. It really does matter. And I think, I think you're absolutely right on the mark there with how the fans will feel about his impact on this franchise. Yeah, I mean, now that you talk about coaching a little bit, I mean, Xavier, you're our X's and O's guy. I, you know, I wasn't sure if we wanted to touch the Boston thing, but now that we're on it, I mean, Xavier, what do you think that that kind of means for Boston next season? Like, that's a huge hit that he obviously gave them a huge boost coming from Brad Stevens to him. So, like, what do you think the Celtics season is going to look like if let's operate under the assumption he's gone for the season? Yeah, that's it is a huge hit because I feel like, Ime did a great job rallying those guys together and bringing confidence to the to the team. You remember they were basically a middle of the pack team in midst of the season, and they did a whole turnaround. And I feel like that was a, a lot of the credit went to the players, but I feel like the coaching staff did a, a great and confident job. So the Celtics organization this whole offseason has been in scrambles. If you really go back and think about it, to the Gallinari about the, Gallinari getting injured, uh, Jalen Brown being in the trade rumors, and now it is with the coaching situation. So I think we might see a small decline, even possibly a bigger decline of this upcoming season because it's in, it's, it seems like it's in disarray right now. Yeah. yeah, which is insane for a team that, you know, was the Eastern Conference champion and, you know, played pretty well against the Golden State Warriors in the finals. But, yeah, I, I can't I, – as Dave said, you know, more stuff's going to come out about it. Um, you know, it sounds like 
one of the assistant coaches is going to take over. But, you know, in our small corner of NBA Twitter, I'm sure you guys have seen it today. Everybody's saying Brad Stevens is coming back. I don't know about that, but it's definitely going to be a hit to not have uh, Udoka leading the team. But, uh, all right, let's get on back to some superlatives here. Uh, I like this one a lot. This was a good one. This was uh, from Xavier. Uh, The most likely to retire as a Grizzly. Uh, Xavier, I'll start with you on this one. I feel like it's self-explanatory. We know who it should be that most likely be John Morant. Um, he's so big of talking about loyalty and being with remaining on one side. And the city of Memphis have has already established a relationship with him. And it seems like he loves the city of Memphis as well. So I see him most definitely being up there in the Raptors in the FedEx form sometime, someday. Most likely I you don't see loyalty and longevity on a one team in the NBA nowadays. I'm, I'm high on John Moran believing that he most likely is going to retire a Grizzly for his whole entire career. Yeah, I think the reason I didn't consider him for this is just because that superstar aspect of there is always going to be the bright lights, lights calling him. People are all every team is going to want him uh, on down the road. And, you know, it, there may come a time where it gets frustrated if the team uh, can't succeed. And I also considered, you know, Charlotte's not that far from where he's from. That could be an option as well. Once you get in a room with Michael Jordan, it's hard to turn that down possibly. So uh, that was the only reason I didn't really consider him for this one. But, Dave, I'll go to you here. Uh, most likely to retire a Grizzly. I'm going to go with Xavier on this. It's it, It's got to be John Morant, although he makes a great point. We just don't see that loyalty anymore. We don't see the Kobe's, the Dirks, the Tim Duncans, although Kobe wanted to be traded at one point, right? And even someone like Akeem Olajuwon ended up on the Toronto Raptors though we still remember him mostly playing, of course, for the Rockets. So I, John Morant's the answer. If he doesn't end up retiring as a Grizzly, something went terribly wrong. Something went sideways. The organization fell apart and gave him a chance to go somewhere else like Marcus also. I, I certainly hope Ja does retire with Memphis. He's going to have his jersey retired and, and, and be probably our greatest player of all time uh, when he retires. And let's hope it's uh, his entire career is in Memphis. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I'm totally with you guys. Um, you know, it's going to be great if he can stick around that whole time. But, you know, you always fear about the Mike Conley thing. Like, I never would have thought Mike Conley was going to leave either. Yeah. So um, we will see uh, how that all pans out in the future. Uh, fifth superlative here, the team you least want to see in the first round of the playoffs, Dave. Yeah, it sort of goes back to, to my most hated opposing player. I don't want to see the Dallas Mavericks. I don't want to see Luka ever again, uh, yet alone in the playoffs. Uh, but uh, But Dallas – Dallas is my answer. I'll I, I tell you before, there's two guys in the league that scare me. I can't go to sleep when they're playing the Mavericks and they're playing the Nuggets. I just can't stand the Joker. Uh, and and they, they are they are trans, uh, transcendent talents, guys that are very hard to prepare for. And I, I just feel like Luka Doncic in a series terrifies me. Look what they did to Phoenix last year. Still a shocking outcome. We'll see if the Suns recover from it. But the, the Mavericks went to the Western Finals last year. I didn't even think his supporting cast was that good, frankly. Uh, and they, I think they've gotten better. So he's certainly my answer. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think their roster has gotten better. He's a grizzly killer, as we said earlier. And, uh, yeah, it's a tough matchup as well. And, um, uh, Xavier, I'll go to you here. The team you least want to see the Grizzlies match up with first round of the playoffs. Yeah, I got to agree with Dave. Doggone Luka Doncic. <laughs> I don't want to see him in the first round. Uh, Luca Magic is something special. He just has some type of special royal around him. Uh, he's a, a playmaker. He's that guy. 
and playing them in the first round, man, that, that right there is a nail biter. But as well, another team that I do have is the Clippers, a healthy Clippers team with Kawhi, Paul George, as deep as they're, they are, they can play a, a literally like a 12-man rotation and be fine and be well-rested. So those are two opposing teams that I do not want to see at all in the first round. Yeah, they're a nasty team, too. The Clippers play tough, grown-up basketball. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, great perimeter defenders. Well, you guys mentioned all three of the teams that I had written down. I had Mavs, Clippers, and Nuggets. And I'm going to go with the Nuggets here, only because let's not forget what Carl Anthony Towns did to Steven Adams, uh, you know, the first round last year. Just played him completely off the floor. And Jokic is obviously way better than Carl Anthony Towns, in my opinion. At least he can do a lot more for you and has stepped up defensively as well. So I'm going to give this one to the Nuggets. I don't want to see them in the first round whatsoever. And with guys coming back like Jamal Murray and, you know, if Michael Porter Jr. can stay healthy, I like their roster a lot. I thought they made some good moves in the offseason. So uh, all three of those teams are going to be pretty tough to play. The problem is every team in the West is going to be tough to play. And you mm-hmm. got to play one of them in the first round if you're going to get there. So let's move on to our next, next superlative here. Most important bench player, uh, I will start with you, Xavier. For me, I got my assurance that I always talk about is Taj Jones. Of course, we know, we don't know if John Morant will continue to have an injury history. Taj is just over-liable. Um, He's the playmaker. I really feel like he fits in the system reading X's and O's better than John Morant. But, I mean, that's a whole different story. But Taj literally controls that ball, and he's basically the quarterback out there in the field on the court. So – I got to have ties as my most important bench player here for the Grizzlies. Yeah, I mean, he's the John Shurance. We've talked about it a lot. He really makes that second unit go uh, and, you know, can step into a starting role at any time. And I think that that definitely qualifies him to be the most important bench player. Dave, uh, your most important bench player. Uh, it's certainly hard to argue that. I think I think you both make a good point. And the front office must uh, must agree to some extent, right? Because they no re-signed him for a generous contract. And so they put their money there on him. And I, I you're probably right. I did write down Brandon Clark. And I, I like Brandon Clark for this answer because he's very versatile. He can step in and start for Jaron while he's out with a foot injury. I love him late in games. I love him on the perimeter. I love him inside. I think he's a reliable free throw shooter. I think we can go to him in a big spot. So I, I think he's the most important bench player, but the, the front office probably agrees with the two of you. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, my first question was, does Brandon Clark qualify? He's probably going to be a starter to start the season. I think he definitely does. Obviously he's played, a, he's been a bench player his entire career for us and, uh, you know, will be once the roster is back to full health. So I think that he makes a ton of sense. I want to mention Zaire as well. Uh, you know, his ability to come in off the bench. And that might be a guy as well that we may see start a couple games, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in place of Dylan Brooks, or if they want to go super small with Zaire, he may see some starting minutes as well. But I really like what I saw in the uh, summer league and what we saw in the playoffs and towards the end of the season last year. He's obviously primed for a big jump this year. So I wanted to make sure we uh, shouted him out as well as the most important bench player. Seventh superlative here. Player with the most pressure this season. Dave, who's got the most pressure this season for the Grizzlies? Uh, this was my favorite superlative of the show. And I'm very fascinated to hear what your answer is. I think there's one clear-cut answer to this. It's John Morant. Because he came in as a good player, became a great player. The leap to become a superstar, a Hall of Fame-level player, is very difficult to do. 
doesn't happen very often. And we have that expectation now. He's being paid like it. We talk about they were second in the West last year. We expect more. We expect more than the second round. If the Grizzlies don't surpass last season, at some point, we're going to start being a little frustrated with him. Maybe it's not fair, but there's a lot of pressure on him this season. He was an all-star last year, just got the big money. We love everything about him, right? We love his father coming to the games. He, he, he's culturally important. I think there's a ton of pressure on him. He can handle it. But if he comes out and regresses to a degree, I think we're going to be very frustrated. I think the team will suffer and it's, it's going to be a hit on him. Yeah, I, I totally, that's a great answer. Uh, I'm definitely with you on that job. When you get paid, when you get a shoe deal, when you're on Instagram, when you're one of the favorite players in the entire league, you're selling jerseys to every little kid. You have all the eyes and all the pressure on yeah. you and the secret's out. I mean, everybody knows that you're the guy now. So, And then gotta... let, me, let me add one more pointer, if I could, uh, before we hear Xavier's answer. I think the guy that came to my mind was Damian Lillard because I, by anyone's measure, Damian Lillard is a fantastic NBA basketball player, but he's not Kobe Bryant. He doesn't have any championships. You know, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. I don't want John Morant to be a Hall of Famer. I want John Morant to be a champion. And, and I want to see that growth to get into that next level of superstars like a Steph Curry, a Kevin Durant that have rings on their fingers. I don't want John Morant to plateau as a Damian Lillard, who I obviously respect, but the Blazers are no closer to winning a championship than they were five years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they made the Western Conference Finals a couple of years ago. They've regressed. And so I, I, I don't want to see us have the next Damian Lillard in all respect to him. Yeah, uh, Dame's an awesome player. I, I think Jaw has the ability to carry a team a little bit more just because he is a, a, a point guard who can distribute so much more where Dame just, you know, is so ball dominant. Um, you know, and, and yeah, they, they definitely have taken a step back, but I, I think the Grizzlies are built to succeed for the long term more so than the, the trailblazers ever wore. So I'm not super worried about that, but uh, uh, Xavier over to you, the player with the most pressure this season. Yeah, I totally agree with Dave, but I got somebody different in this scale. And I, I think it probably surprised a lot of people. I have Dylan Brooks and that that's, because he's coming to a contract season. So mm -hmm. you have to play at a high level so you can get paid next. Not only the pressure of playing well, you have the pressure of a youth guy, Zaire Williams, behind you that can possibly take your spot, your starting spot. That might be the future in that small forward role. So Dylan Brooks has a lot of pressure on him. Not only in, in addition, we saw in the past playoffs of his with wild shot selections and if the crowd and the fans are going to actually appreciate and love him because, I mean, we go back and look at that game four against the Warriors. <laughs> Dylan Brooks, I mean, uh, people argue saying like he cost us that game. So it is a lot of pressure on Dylan Brooks to actually perform at a high level, be efficient, make the smart decisions, and then as well not allow the fans to get in his mind and then knowing that hey, I might have a replacement on the bench as well to take my spot. So that's why I feel this has a lot of pressure this year, this upcoming season. Yeah. He does. In fairness, he's, he's going to get paid somewhere, right? I mean, and I do think his ceiling is is a lot lower than someone like John Rance, obviously. So, I mean, I, I, I understand your answer in the sense that uh, if he wants to remain a Grizzly and be a part of this culture going forward, 
he needs to kind of modify his game a bit, fit in a little bit, refine his game a little bit. And there's a lot of pressure on that unless he wants to play with Sacramento for the next five years. Right. <laughs> Cause he's going to, he's going to play in the league. I mean, he's, he's yeah. certainly good enough to play in the league. He's going to get paid by somebody. The question is, is he good enough to be a three, four in the starting lineup on an Eastern conference, Western conference finals type team. Yeah. yeah you're right and I that. think the thing to watch for is how is he going to respond to the pressure? Right? right. Is he going to, continue to hunt shots and take inefficient shots as we kind of saw at the end of last year, because he has the pressure on him to make more money uh, this next season. So it's going to be a question of, is he going to respond to that pressure in the right way and fit into the system and be a really good, you know, teammate and do all the little things that he's really good at, or is he going to let that pressure um, influence him into making some poor decisions? So we'll, we'll wait and see on that. Uh, of that same kind of vein, though, I had Steven Adams for this one. As I said earlier, you know, we saw that he kind of got exposed a little bit in that Minnesota series. He didn't close the year out well in the playoffs. And if he wants to remain in this league, I think that he has got to show a lot. And he's going to have the opportunity. He's going to be able to step up in the absence of Jaron, hopefully anchor the defense a little bit for us. He's always going to be a great rebounder. But, yeah, of that same vein, like there, he in the opposite of Dylan Brooks, like you were saying, Dave, like he may not get another paycheck if he is proven to be not able to stay on the floor against some of these smaller opponents. So I had Steven Adams for that one. But I, I think Jaw is the right answer in my mind. I, I agreed with everything you said, Dave. I think that. You know, when you get the big contract, the big shoe deal, like I said, and you're in Spider-Man ads, like you've got to respond to the pressure, right? So uh, let's move on to our next superlative here. The most likely to fit in the grit and grind era. I love this one. Uh, Xavier, this was one of your suggestions. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. The Grizzly, the current Grizzly, that's most likely to fit in the grit and grind era. Well, for me, the one I selected, he hasn't even played a, a full official NBA game, is Kenny Lofton. <laughs> it's, just, it's too spot on to Zach Randolph when he was out there on the court in the summer league, man, with the left hand, the, the big burly build, and the fadeaways in the shooting. It was like, wow, is this Zebo 2.0? But, yeah, Kenny Lofton most definitely seems like he would most fit perfectly take Zach Randolph's spot in a grid and grind era. So I'm just selecting Kenny. Man, shout out Kenny Lofton. That's two superlatives yeah. from uh, from Xavier. So he's getting a lot of love. Um, Dave, I'll go to you. The um, Grizzly most likely to fit in the grid and grind era. When I think of the grit and grind era, I mean, I, I would give anything if Desmond Bain could have been playing with that team. I always felt like that was the, the missing ingredient. No disrespect to Courtney Lee and some of the other guys we had that we tried to fit around that two guard spot. Uh, it just, what a shame. Bain would have been such a nice way to stretch the floor with that group. But the one I think uh, the likely fit if, of the gritting on error, I mean, think of like toughness, defense, uh, a little bit struggling on offense. It's uh, To me, it's Jaron Jackson Jr. Would have been, you know, just fit right in with that defensive presence, that attitude, the, 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 the way he put, you know, controls the painted area. Uh, Dylan Brooks, a little bit villainish, would have kind of fitted nicely with the grit and grind era. But uh, I thought it was Jaron Jackson Jr. because of embodying that emphasis on defense. And, and boy, he took a big step forward last year. Yeah, I, when you were setting that up, I thought you were going to say Dylan Brooks struggling mm -hmm. on offense and the and the toughness and all that. But yeah, um, I, I can't believe you beat me to it. But I think Bain is the right answer, at least for me. Like, oh, okay. it, it, because when I first thought about it, I was like, I was looking at the roster, thinking what would have made the great grit and grind era even better. And it's oh, three okay. point, it, it's three point shooting, obviously. But also, he's not afraid of anybody either. Don't forget that he was the one that was mixing it up with LeBron when they kind of got into it 
Um, so, yeah, Desmond Bain was definitely my answer. I think he would have fit in great with those guys. All right, guys, our final superlative here. We have the best rivalry. The Grizzlies have obviously sparked a bunch of them uh, in the last couple of seasons, and a lot of them are really fun to watch. Dave, I'll, I'll uh, hand it off to you. Best rivalry. Well, I think we'll probably have the same answer. The three of us, I think it's the Golden State Warriors. And it really, you take off all of the important aspects that make a rivalry. There's great personalities on both sides of the ball. We have key wins against each other in big spots. And let's be honest, they have what we want. They are the champions. We're chasing them. And I think that that makes for a great robbery. You go back to even the 2015 Western semifinals it was a fantastic series. We're winning two games to one in that series. Uh, and, and then, uh, you know, we end up losing uh, in, in six. They, we, we beat them in the play-in game. And then, of course, last year in the Western semifinals, we lost in six as well. We have them coming up on Christmas. It's a stylistically interesting robbery. The personalities are great. And we're playing for important uh, things. We're playing important basketball against Golden State. Uh, Xavier, go ahead. Best rivalry. Yeah, I mean, I do agree with Dave. With the Warriors being a rivalry, it's already been fouling up and put in motion, basically, especially now we have the Christmas game. But I want to add in one that I feel like that is actually bound to happen if health is on their side. And then even without the health, I think it's the New Orleans Pelicans. Oh. And, I mean, you got the one, you got the first draft pick in Zion. We have the second pick of, of John Morant from the, it, the 2019 draft. And we're, we're two both young teams. We're in the same division. We have to see each other four times. At the end of the year, the Pelicans did become an actually great team without Zion. Now you add Zion back there. He's, of course, the best one, their best player. I feel like that's a robbery, robbery that's bound to really happen and be established. I'm looking forward to see if the Pelicans can actually become a, a efficient and decent team and create a rivalry between the two. Because, I mean, you already have the story making Ja and Zion. They played on the same AU team. They're both from the same state. It's, it's really setting, set, setting up like, yes, it can be an actual robbery that can happen between us and the Pelicans. Yeah, I totally agree. I had them as well. I think that it's not taking place so much on the court as some of the other options, but those team those teams are going to be forever intertwined as long as Zion is a Pelican and Jaws a, a Grizzly. You know, we're never going to forget that draft, obviously. Um, I also got to shout out the T-Wolves as well. Obviously, that was a hard-fought series, and as that continues, is is going to, I think, be a, a good rivalry with some of their good young pieces. They've obviously improved. And I'm going to say something that's probably going to fire up the commenters a little bit, but I, I just – I don't – know why everybody keeps calling the, the the Warriors thing a rivalry I get we don't like each other but in my mind Dave it's exactly like you said they have what we want yeah we, but see, I would have... push back I would push back and say we haven't played the Pelicans in anything meaningful ever correct you know, yeah, I mean, no. it's a potential rivalry uh being intertwined the Chicago Bulls and the Portland Trailblazers are intertwined because of the draft with Michael Jordan but they didn't have a rivalry you know, in a sense. Uh, uh, so I think that the the Warriors, we played them in important playoff series that both times they beat us, they went on to win the world championship. And I think to be a true rivalry, the Red Sox and Yankees, they've had legendary playoff matchups. When the Washington Capitals finally beat the Pittsburgh Penguins in the playoffs, they went on then to win the Stanley Cup. Pittsburgh was there, there in the mountain to climb. I just feel like 
you know, if, if we play Minnesota in the first round next year, that's not what I'm looking forward to next. I, I want to go through Golden State to the, to the NBA Finals because they've been there. They have the greatest shooter of all time. You put Durant anywhere you want in the top 13 players of all time. Uh, no, I'm not, he's not even there anymore, but he was, you know, when he, we had some important games against them. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I just feel like they've been such a, an important uh, part of the NBA over the past six, seven years, and we want to replace them. And no disrespect to New Orleans, the Clippers we've had great games with in the playoffs in the past. I like the Minnesota answer, but when I think about who do I wake up in the morning, like, you know, I want to go through this team and it's Golden State. Yeah, I guess the the, the point I was trying to make is they have four, all those guys have four rings now. We got to at least get to a Western Conference Finals and, and have a hard-fought series with them there. Like, I think and and this is negative towards the Grizzlies, and I love them, but we're just not on their level yet, in my opinion. We are more on the track of Minnesota, uh, of the Nuggets, of the Mavericks, where we're still climbing. And so, to me, those make better rivalries. And on top of that, obviously, now they have Kyle Anderson as well. Oh, um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That, that so, always gets spicy, right? When, when yeah. former players that, – that's fun, when former <laughs> players are there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, well, those are our superlatives, guys. Great show. Uh, appreciate you guys for – hopping on and i appreciate all the listeners for tuning in thank you again for listening to another episode of the core four the only podcast for hardcore grizzly fans dave before we jump off why don't you plug your twitter for us real quick you got it you can follow me on twitter at dlb 1933 good to be with you guys today absolutely as always uh xavier you go ahead plug your plug your twitter and and that tiktok where we're getting all those videos and clips out for us yeah, Twitter, you can find me um, at Zaytom, and then as well on my TikTok, like my boy Matt was saying, underscore X-Z-A-Y, and great show today, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Again, thank you guys all for tuning in. We appreciate all the support, and we'll talk to you next time. Stolen by Marin, hammer, nail, coffin, this baby is over.